All right, welcome Promisers, all of our campuses. How you guys doing this weekend? Come on, let me hear you. Every campus, come on, God Behind Bars, Anderson, all of our campuses, thrilled to see you guys this weekend. It's an incredible weekend. Anybody feeling good this weekend? Are there any overcomers in the house this weekend? Man, I love you. I believe in you. I believe God has an incredible future for you. And it is no doubt the will of God that you feel your and find your purpose and your passion, your mission, your joy, your victory, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Moses shows up on the, in Egypt where the Israelites were enslaved. And he said, I got some good news. God sent me after 400 years to set you free. And I'm telling you, faith promise was birth to set the captive free. So we are thrilled that you're here. Welcome, by the way, Anderson County Campus. Record attendance last weekend. People are being saved. Man, way to go, Robbie. Way to go, Anderson. So exciting, exciting, exciting what God is doing. This is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus that you walk in victory and in freedom. So we're going to tackle a tough topic this weekend. Tackling tough topics is never hard for faith promise. We live in the raw and the real, and so we'd re- we sort of wade right in there in the mess of real life. And I think that's why many people come here. Do you all agree with that? Man, it's just the deal what we're about. So we're about helping real people with real problems experience the real love of God. And let me tell you, it doesn't get any more real than facing the financial pressures that we all deal with. Doesn't get any more real than getting up in your grill about some money up in the house. Are y'all with me? Man, listen, it's, it is just crazy. But we can't say we love you if we don't speak the whole truth to you. Does that make sense? Man, if I'm going down the road and the bridge is out and somebody waves at me as I'm going past at 80 miles an hour, they didn't love me. They didn't be throwing rocks at my car trying to get me to stop before I crash to my death. And so we want to help you. We want to help you with money. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed by God. Does anybody want to be blessed by God? Come on, let me hear you. Well, once you're walking, once you know God, if you really want to experience his full blessings, then you've got to be in a position to be blessable. Your kids, there are many times in your life you wanted to do stuff for your kids, but you couldn't do it because they they were being negative, they were being disobedient, and they had tied your hands, mom and dad, to do stuff for them. Many of us have tied the hands of the God of heaven And he watches us struggle financially and he says, I simply cannot get involved because you will not be a good steward. Stewardship walks on two legs. The first leg we talked about two weekends ago, which is obedience and generosity of bringing our tithes into the storehouse. The second leg of generosity that we walk on is good stewardship or wise money management. Are you with me? See, God can't bless a poor steward. He said, if you have been unfaithful with little, who will give you more? Who will give you true riches? If you haven't been faithful with just stinking old money, 
Who'll give you really important things? And we may think money's the most important thing, but God certainly does not. Does that make sense? So what many of us have decided is that we just need a little more. If I just had a little more. But here's the deal. How about let's do this. Let's master what's already in our hands. Who's with me? Let's learn to master what God has already given us. See, I talk to people from all walks of life. I talk to people who make $15,000 a year, $50,000 a year, and $500,000 a year, and all of them say the same thing. If I just had a little more, Pastor, and you say, well, that's crazy. If I had $500,000 a year, I'd never, oh, tut, you make 50, you live over your means. You made 500, you live over your means because you'd immediately go to, you know, Farragut or you'd go downtown and you'd buy a million-dollar home and you'd get rid of all your cars and you'd take more trips and that Timex wouldn't work. You'd need a Rolex, both which do the same things. Are you with me? So, well, if I just tell a more, let's master what's in our hand. Now, here's the deal. I'm a horrible mathematician. I don't know about you guys, but new math is out of my realm of grasping. When I was in college, I was with a professor who said this. I went to his desk multiple times. I said, listen, I don't get it. He said, it's just going to click. It never clicked. <laughs> I didn't get the Pythagorean theorem. I couldn't figure out what X and B and C equaled. Are you with me? I almost didn't graduate college because I couldn't pass statistics. I got help, I got tutors, and I made a D and hallelujah, amen, I graduated. Are you with me? Did you graduate summa cum laude? No, I graduated praise the laude. I was out. That's all that mattered. Are you with me? But see what when we have geniuses, one of a Justin Petrasky's on our worship staff, and the guy is a certified mathematical genius. When he graduated Oak Ridge High School, when he graduated, he was already a junior at UT with a 4.0 math major. This is ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> you see, we don't, it's not the new math that's causing us problems financially. It's the old math that's causing some of us some problems. Now, two plus two equals what? Four. It equals what? Four. I'm not sure we agree with that. Now, have you bought anything cash lately? Because they look at you a little funny when you pull out cash. Because if you pull out cash, now there's got to be an arithmetic problem. <laughs> and you really want to mess them up. It's twelve. It's seven dollars and fifty-three cents. Give them a twenty and three pennies and watch them stroke. Because I don't want three pennies, but I do want two quarters. <laughs> Have you got a card? And, I'm, and listen, it's it, and so we've taken thousands of people through financial peace workshop. And we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt wiped out. It's been incredible. So here's what we do. We sit down and we go over a budget. Are you with me? 
And it's always funny. So how much is your monthly income? Well, it's $3,000. What's their monthly income? $3,000. Okay, what's your house note? $1,100. How much is your car payment? Well, it's $400. How much is your electrical, cable, or gas? It's $500. How much is your car insurance? It's $200. What do you have set aside for food? We have $1,000 a month in our food. Our cell phone costs $100. Our credit card minimum is $350. And we have not put God first in tithing. Does anyone see a problem? Who sees a problem? Oh, wait, you can add. Here's the problem. You can add. You just choose not to. Everyone that we sit down to help with a budget could add. They just never had. Now, they knew they ran out of money before they ran out of month, but they had never sit down with a pencil and a paper or a computer or an iPad or something and looked at what they were spending. And because they didn't, every month the debt load goes a little higher. Are you with me? And as the credit cards begin to move upwards, and we have a car trouble or we have a vacation, they begin to move up. Fear and anxiety move up with our debt load. Depression and anger and frustrations enter into our life if we're buried deeply into our marriage. And a host of unwanted emotions begin to make your heart and your head their home. The number one reason given for divorce in the United States of America today is financial stress. Now, if you were here last weekend, you understand that mammon is thrilled with that. If you don't know what that means, you've got to know, you have got to go back and get last weekend's message. Go on online, get it free at resources, go to the podcast, do whatever you need to do. John 10.10, 10, uh, the second half of that verse says, the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and what? And boy, he loves to do it to you with money. We're smart this weekend at Faith Promise, aren't we? Hey, we're smart. And we've got to recognize this series, I elongated it two weeks, this series is about spiritual warfare. And it is a plan and a ploy and a plot of the devil to get you defeated and one of the greatest things he uses is your money. And you live in fear and frustration. And here's, here's the sad part. If you're, if, you're, if you're ready, say I am. Nobody ever showed you how. Nobody ever set you down and showed you how to balance a checkbook, how to build a budget, how to pay your bills, how to live below your means. Most of us, no one ever did that for. If your parents did that for you, you are the upper crust. Now, I don't mean financially. I mean in being educated as a child growing up in the right home. Does that make sense? See, I, I wasn't educated in stewardship. I wasn't educated in budgeting. And so I got saved, and I immediately, first Sunday, was a generous giver. I immediately began to tithe. I knew, I already knew I was supposed to, so I automatically started tithing. Now, because I was a tither, I thought I could do whatever I wanted to do. I was dumb as a stick. And I got my family deeper and deeper in debt because God said he would provide. I'm tithing. This is what some of y'all think. I'm tithing. God's got to God's provide. Not if you make $1,000 a week and spend 1200 
He doesn't. He provided a thousand. You overspent what he gave you. Are you with me? And so I never built a budget for me. I didn't teach my kids how to build a budget. It's been incredible to watch my older son train my younger son. Micah trained Zach and listened to him in the car. Say, Zach, you got to have at least 10000 in savings. Man, there ain't no way I could have ten. Well, you're going to get it some way. You're going to sell something. You're going to do something. Watching them hold each other accountable financially, it's incredible. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. Now, in context, Jesus is talking about counting the cost of following him. But Jesus is talking about counting the cost. For which one of you, verse 28, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Everybody understood what Jesus was talking about because they'd all seen unfinished houses. Hadn't we? Otherwise, once he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build, was not able to finish. What king, if he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Jesus says, Do the math. Do the math. Count the cost. Yeah, man, you, you want something? Count the cost. Count the cost. Do the math. This was everybody. This was Kinderspiel for everybody listening. It's not anymore. We don't calculate the cost. We just do what we want to and let the chips fall where they may. See, the wrong question is this. How much will the mortgage company loan me for a home? And yet how many of us sit down a prequal and said, what's the maximum amount I can borrow? Because I promise you they will loan you far more than you should borrow. They are not on your team. Now, I, I know great mortgage people. If you're a mortgage person, chill out. <laughs> but come on. If they're your friend, they'll say, well, you know, legally you could borrow 300000 but you'd be a fool to borrow more than two hundred. See, that's a friend. Are you with me? That's what we do. The wrong question is this. I need a new car. How much are the payments? Have you ever added up the payments and seen that a $32,000 car is going to cost you $60,000? That a $128,000 house is going to cost $310,000? There's a reason banks are the biggest building in every city in America because they make all the interest. Are you with me? Come on. So the better, the better question is how much car can you afford? How much could you spend on clothes? How much should you put in savings? How much can you give above your tithe? These are answer-based questions, math questions, and reality-based answers based on what you currently make. Does that make sense? Now, there is a path, a time-tested tool that is your friend. His name is Mr. Budget. Nobody's smiling. Nobody's happy. Nobody's excited. Mr. Budget, he's not nice. He's not nice. My kids wanted to kill Mr. Budget early on. They said, Dad, if you'll show us where Mr. Budget lives, we will put a bullet in his head. Let me tell you about it. See, a supernatural stewardship, a three-legged stool. Spend wisely, 
Save diligently, give generously. Spend wisely, save diligently, give generously. Does that make, are y'all on that? And so if you're going to accomplish those three things, you can't do it without Mr. Budget moving into the house. Amen, Pastor. We're the 21st century. We're the 21st century. There's got to be a tool, a technological advancement to help us not to spend more than we make. I'm so sorry. It's just a budget. All the tools that are currently out there help you spend more than you make. Are you with me? Now we can spend ourselves so deep into debt we can't see. Society is set for us to spend ourselves in debt. You don't have to get off the couch. You can get on your computer, your iPad, your iPhone, and baby, you can roll, man. Come on. There's a reason that Jeff Bezos has become one of the wealthiest men in the world in just the last few years. Listen, I got so many Amazon boxes at my house, I know the UPC and the FedEx driver by name. I was driving down the road, FedEx driver stuck his hand out and just pointed right at me. Hey, I'm sure Michelle bought something stinking else. It's coming. I'm coming back to your house, back to your house. Listen, you know what? They're right there. Used to, Tennessee was the number one state in bankruptcy. I had a little research. I was wrong. Alabama's number one, Tennessee's number two. Now, there are tons of apps to help you create a budget to spend less than you make. Are you with me? But understand this. God said Satan was the little G-O-D of this world, of this culture, and that our enemy makes prison cells easy to enter. Would y'all agree that debt is a prison cell? And so the enemy makes debt. Man, listen, you can be 15 or 16, and they're sending you credit card applications. There's not many 15 or 16-year-olds that need a credit card. Well, you got to build up your credit. you got to have good credit because everything you'll ever buy, you'll buy on credit, and you'll pay way more than it's worth too because you're going to pay Visa or MasterCard or Amex or the bank. Are you with me? Does this make sense? So listen, if you'd save and buy it, you'll enjoy it more than getting it on debt. So Mr. Budget, he existed before money. That's hard to believe, but there was a time before money. It was farmers. And the farmer would, would, would get his crops, and he or she would have to budget the food to last until the next crops were harvested. So they would can, and they would salt, and they would store, and they would get stuff ready. Why? For a long, cold winter, they had to budget. There's only one alternative to budgeting, and that's not. It's not a third choice. We either plan or we don't plan. And many of us have chosen not to plan, and that's why we end up like we end up. I love you. I want to see you absolutely debt-free living in financial freedom. I want to see you living with more than you make, savings account, retirements account, generously giving, going where you want to go, giving what you wanted to give, living without the excess pressure of debt. It has been my prayer for you for weeks that God would set you free through this series. Are you with me? That's what I'm praying for you. And is our God big enough? 
Now, here's the reality. Many of us live paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because we never made a budget. We never mastered our money. We become a slave to the money. The reason we hate our job is because we can't take a day off because if we take a day off, our paycheck will diminish and we have to have not only our paycheck but some extra overtime hours so that we will have enough money to make it through the month. We're living just right on the edge. Are you with me? You say, but if I had made more money, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but you've been doing it all your life. And for most of you, you're making a whole lot more money than you've ever made. (laughs) Listen, I remember when I had to pay taxes. I'm thrilled to pay taxes because I make enough money to have to pay some. So, so you, but, but God, you can do it. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. It says in Galatians, then do not go back and be yoked again to slavery. And financial debt is, and, and all this pressure makes us a slave. People that are born again that love Jesus but are walking with this backpacking burden, you can overcome and we can help in Jesus' name. Pull your communication card out. Give your information at the bottom. Put financial peace class. Sign me up. We'll be in touch with you. Different campuses are offering them at different times, and we will help you. We can get you ready this weekend, right now. So fill those out. When the offering budgets come, drop them in. So what is a budget? A budget is a detailed plan to allocate every cent of your money. Now, if you're born again, it's really God's money, isn't it? It really is. I love what Dave Ramsey said. This is so good. A budget is you telling your money where to go instead of wondering where your money went. Because how many of us end up with more month than we have money, and we look back and say, where did my money go? Have you ever said that? Oh, come on. Don't act spiritual with me. I will come to your house, man. Come on. Where did my money go? Well, of course, you don't know because you don't have a budget. Actually, you know what most of us do? We walk around like we have these. Money guns, baby. Money guns, man. Come on, man. I got it. I got it. I'm going to flaunt it. Are you with me? Where did my money go? I don't know. We're going to get a budget. You say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. So was wondering where your money went. Are you with me? I love you. Man, listen, I'm not going to replace my wallet with one of these. Oh, it worked. There we go. Now, my wife on the other. She is right now at Disney with one of our granddaughters, and I sent a text yesterday. I want you to have an incredible time. Please don't spend all of our money. Have you ever been to Disney? The mouse is expensive. And the mouse must be fed. And he is hungry (laughs) for my money. Are you with me? So so let me ask you a question. How many of you know everywhere, every penny that you had went last month? Oh, there's a few hands. Let me see those. Can I tell you about everybody's got their hand up? They have a budget. Is that right? See, if you don't know where your money went, you don't have a budget. And that was about 90% of people didn't have their hand up. See, Mr. Budget should reflect your values, how you think your money should be spent. Are you with me? 
Mr. Budget, he's the one that reflects. You create, you've got your values, and you put it. A budget is planning to get where you want to go. A budget, as Jesus says, is counting the cost. Are you with me? Who's going to build a house without making sure he or she's got enough money? Who's going to go to war without making sure he's got a big enough army to defeat the other army? Mr. Budget also should reveal your goals, where you want to go. Listen, you are not going to get to retirement by accident and have enough money. You're just not going to wake up and say, oh, look, we have $2 million. Oh, happy days. No, it doesn't work that way. See, Mr. Budget, let me tell you what he does. Mr. Budget should make the hard decisions for you. I need this, honey. I need this. Let me see. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Budget. He say no. <laughs> so Michelle said, we should do this. And I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, baby, Mr. Budget. He say no. She said, I hate Mr. Budget. And then I said, I think I'm going to get some golf clubs. And Michelle said, oh, let's ask Mr. Budget. I'm so sorry, Mr. Budget, he say no. (laughs) Mr. Budget's a two-way basher, baby, let me tell you. And so so it requires discipline to build a budget, but discipline is saying no to something you want today so that you can say yes to something you want more tomorrow. Does that make sense? That's what it is. And you say, but pastor, this is so hard. What's our theme for the year? We were going to follow the what? Where the Spirit leads? Galatians 5, chapter 23, lists self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. So if we're following the filling, if we're being filled with the Holy Spirit, will we have control to build a budget and spend below our means? Okay, eight of you. Come on, somebody help me out. See, well, let me tell you what the Spirit of God, actually it's the will of God that you get a budget. How do you know that? Because Jesus said, calculate the cost. Calculate the cost before you build, before you go to war. Count the cost. Be ready. Are you ready? Mr. Budget wants to move in. Let me tell you what Mr. Budget will help you. Mr. Budget will help you with emotionally based decisions. Have you ever gone car shopping? And you get in it and you smell? It's intoxicating. But they have air fresheners, by the way, that are new car smell. That's what I buy. And so you get in it, you like it, the salesman knows, and you say, well, listen, we'll get back with you tomorrow. We're going to pray about this. Does the salesman say, man, listen, I'm praying with you. You get the heart of God on this. Is that what that salesperson says? No, they say, hold up, hold up, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait before you leave. I forgot. I'm going to knock $1,000 off if you get it today. Matter of fact, listen, if you don't, listen, go ahead and drive it home. If you're a car salesman, I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm not trying to harass you. Or and all of us have to buy cars, but but come on, does this make sense? Apostle Paul said, "When I was a child, I acted like a child, I thought like a child, and I spoke like a child. When I became an adult, I did away with childish things." That means adults have to make hard decisions. We have to make math-based decisions. And there's so many tools. You, from all the way to the old method of having envelopes to the new apps that you can use. 
So let me give you a couple thoughts about a budget. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Right. Number one, I mean courageously, courageously evaluate your financial situation. If you're married, please do this as a team. Do not let money divide you. Let money unite you. Decide you're going to figure out where you are. You got there together. You're going to get out of there together. It's going to unite you. Are you with me? And so just courageously dig in there. Find out every, where every penny's going, how much money you're making. Secondly, review your income and review your spending. Go ahead, sit it down, man, write them down. And put whatever, whether the spending is mandatory or discretionary. Mandatory is what they will cut off if you do not pay, like your electricity. You don't call your electricity provider and say, listen, I need to cut my budget. I need you to cut my bill in half. They say, well, that's no problem. We'll give you power two weeks a month. You have to pay your house note. There are things you have to do. That's just the cost of living. What are the, man, what are the mandatory? What are the discretionary? Going out to dinner is discretionary. Netflix, discretionary. Are you with me? No! I'm going to give you a secret. Are you ready? You can borrow a friend's password. I got a confession. I use my daughter's. Okay, she lived with me for five years. She can pay for my Netflix. Are y'all with me? Come on. And so, man, listen. What is? There are a lot of things you're spending money on. You don't have to, because if you're if you're in debt, you're in trouble. You're gonna have to get jiggy with a budget, and you have to cut some spending. Are you with me? Come on. And don't just, well, I'm going to consolidate all my debt because most people that do that, it's a great plan, but in another 18 months, every credit card is maxed out and they still got this over here to pay. Got to get some discipline. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. God, I, love, I love this. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Ooh, it's back here. It is Old Testament. Ah, no, 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 no. Proverbs chapter 3, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We bring the first, we, we make God the first percent. Does that, does that make sense? Now, so do that now. Plan to save. Plan to save. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief or ruler, officer, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision for the harvest. If the ant knows how to save, you have a bigger brain. You're smarter. So what am I saving for? Well, probably you need multiple savings. You need savings for emergencies like your transmission goes out or your kid has to have braces. You need it for needs, like your car is going to go out. You want to set money aside so you can pay cash for the car, not go borrow money. Prepare for your wants. You go on a cruise, want to go on a vacation, go ahead and, go ahead and save for that. What about, what about saving, for, uh, saving for your future retirement? Would you like to retire ever? Or do you want to do the work till you drop plan? So you got to work at it. How about saving for giving, like heart for the harvest? That's what Michelle did. We save. We take extra money that comes in. Now, see, this can be difficult, can be brutal if you're in, in your trouble. But listen, 
the ute will be, it will pay big dividends when you are out of debt, you got money in the bank, you are a giver, you are not stressed out, you can walk as you want to, you are not living paycheck to paycheck, and money doesn't even matter anymore because you are financially free in Jesus' name. Come on, that's God's, that's the will of God. So can I tell you, listen, we want to help you. So sign up for financial peace. Money makes an incredible slave. It makes a horrible taskmaster. So if you want to walk in joy, you got to get victory. Now, some of you, let me tell you, the first step to getting victory is not tithing. The first step to getting victory is giving your life to him. I'm not talking about being religious or checking a box. What I'm talking about is this. I'm talking about surrendering your future your finances, your family, the lordship, ownership, and accountability to Jesus. See, that's the reason church has grown weak in America is because we've made this watered-down gospel. God forgives us, and God will give us a new start, but God wants us to give us to him. That's an incredible business plan for you. You give God all your garbage, he gives you his glory. You give him all your sin, he gives you a brand-new slate. It doesn't get any better than that. Are you with me? It's like a business deal that you say, well, pastor, that's too good to be true. That's why it's grace, baby. Getting what I don't deserve. Mercy, not getting what I do deserve. So if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, he's ready to accept you and to fill you and to walk with you and to bless you in ways you never dreamed. So campus pastors, you guys will come up at all of our campuses with every head by every eye closed. If you're ready, pray this simple prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You died for me. I will live for you. Take over. Have your way. Fill me. Now, with nobody still looking around, heads bowed. If you just prayed that simple prayer with me, would you just slip your hand up? Just go ahead and slip it up. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Amen. Okay, you can put them down. All right, look up. All of you raise your hand. If you'll pull the communication card out, fill it out. Check the circle, making a decision to follow Jesus. I'd like to be baptized. Two circles. Just go ahead and get them down. That's going to go in the offering basket as a bucket as it comes by you. If you're a guest, if you'll drop it in the offering bucket and pick up your gift on the way out. Online campus, there's people waiting for you in the chat room, or you can click right there and fill out the online communication card. You can even sign up for financial peace right there online. We're thrilled you're with us. Some of you guys are on spring break. I hope you have the most incredible vacation you've ever had. The rest of us are here, but we're not bitter. We hope you guys have an amazing, come on, amazing vacation. So drop these in the offering bucket. Listen, we're here for you. Now, as we get ready to give, one of our, one of our the, uh, values is we give generously. But we live in a day of skepticism and wonder, don't we? What do they do with my money? If you ever wonder where your money is allocated, if you can go right here to the website, as you see, the website's coming up, faithpromise.org. Go there, pull it up, incredible, beautiful building. Go down, to the, go there to the question. Go to the bottom where it says giving. Click on 
right there where it says financial statements. Aren't I brilliant? Technologically, it's incredible. And you can go and you can view the last three years of Faith Promise budget, every dime allocated. We do what we're asking you to do. But on top of that, can I tell you, we have a 12-person leadership team made up of the body of Faith Promise who helps oversee the budget expenditures. We applied for a member and gained the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability, which checked us off. We just got a new, uh, a new company who's doing our audit because the old one said, hey, we've done it too long. Somebody could claim something. Go out there and find you a new company. So we audit our books every year. We send a letter to the givers that comes from the auditors. Are you with me? We just want you to know there's such a level of accountability and credibility in what we do financially. I couldn't sign a check if I wanted to. I have to go through 23 people to get money. Just trust me. And then it gets to Aaron going, and that man is tight with God's money. And so as we get ready to give, I want you to understand something. Every dollar is scrutinized that you give to God because we will stand at account before God of how we used his stuff. So as you have to steward, and then as you bring your tithe into the house, we have to steward God's resources. Are you glad y'all came this week? It'd be good to be in the house of God. So here's the deal. I'm going to pray. We're going to give. I love to give God. We get ready to give to you. Michelle and I gave this week online, and whoo, we love it. So God, would you bless the gift and giver, the first-time giver? God, would you get people in financial peace and help us lead this body to walk in freedom out of slavery and into the joy and victory of Jesus is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, shout as we give. We're going to worship in just a minute.